greetings and welcome to Understanding Christianity. I'm your host, Pastor Sean Cole. I'm the lead pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church in Sterling, Colorado. I also serve as an adjunct instructor of Old and New Testament and Biblical Interpretation at Colorado Christian University. Thank you for listening to our podcast today. A few weeks ago, we started a series of podcasts on expository preaching. Um, I do expository preaching workshops around the country called Feed the Flock, and I thought it would be beneficial to share some of the insights and teaching that I do in those workshops on a podcast. And so you may need to go back and listen to the first two. We, the first one was basically talking about expository preaching from the Old Testament, the pattern that we see there in the prophets and in Moses' sermon in Deuteronomy. Then we looked at the second podcast on the preaching of John the Baptist, as well as a sermon preached by Jesus himself in Luke chapter 4 at the synagogue in his hometown in Nazareth. And so we're going to continue on this theme. Again, we haven't really gotten to a definition yet of expository preaching. I know that may be a little frustrating for you, but I wanted to lay a biblical foundation first to show you that it is, it is indeed something that the Bible prescribes for us to do as well as exemplifies or illustrates. And so we get to Luke chapter 24, where Jesus is on the road to Emmaus with the two disciples. He eats dinner with them and then vanishes, and then he appears to the 12, actually at that time the 11, because Judas had already hanged himself. And and we find out these interesting terms. So I'm not going to go into the whole passage of Scripture. You can go back to my sermon series through the Gospel of Luke and go back and listen to the entire sermon on that. But let me just give you some highlights. So in Luke chapter 24, verse 27, we find these words. And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he, that is Jesus, interpreted to them in all the Scriptures the things concerning himself. Now that Greek word interpreted is very important. We'll see that it's used in Acts chapter 9, verse 36. It's used in Acts chapter 18, verse 6. And here's what it means. It means to clarify something so as to make it understandable or to explain or to interpret or to exposit. There's a commentator who uh, adds an entry into the Theological Dictionary of the New Testament. It's called the Big Kittles, if you're interested in, in knowing um, some, some lexicons. The big, it's called Big Kittles. Um, it's, it's the big dictionary of New Testament theology doing word studies. But the, the entry there says, in Luke 24, 27, this presents the risen Jesus to those who walk to Emmaus as the expounder of the Old Testament prophecies of his death and exaltation. It rests on an exposition of Scripture, which is new in content, though not in method. It's new in content, but not new in method. In other words, this is not a new method. As we saw last time, Jesus had done this type of exposition before in his ministry, especially in the synagogue in Nazareth. So this is not the first time that Jesus has done an exposition of an Old Testament passage in preaching and explaining it. And so what Jesus is doing here is he is expositing or explaining the Old Testament, the entire Old Testament, and showing how it points to his death, burial, and resurrection. And so what he's doing is he's giving his disciples a new 
hermeneutic, a new way of interpreting the scriptures called the Christ-centered hermeneutic. So Jesus did more than just read to them the Old Testament text. He could have just read it to them. What he does here is he exegetes or he exposits or he explains the Old Testament scriptures showing himself as the promised Messiah. It is a Christ-centered hermeneutic. The entire Old Testament is about Jesus in types and shadows pointing to him and ultimately finding his fulfillment in his death, burial, and resurrection. And then when Jesus does that, Luke 24, 32, the two disciples said to each did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? While he opened to us the scriptures. Now, this is a different Greek word, opened. It's very similar to the word Luke used in the previous verse to demonstrate that Jesus expounded or exposited the scriptures. So, Jesus is expounding, he's expositing, he's explaining the Old Testament scriptures. He's not just reading it. Yes, we read the public reading of scripture, but there is a step beyond just reading it. We expound it, we explain it. So in Luke chapter uh, 4, when Jesus is at the synagogue in Nazareth, he explains, he expounds the Old Testament scripture from Isaiah. And here in Luke 24, he takes the entire Old Testament and explains and expounds those Old Testament texts that point to him. Now, Luke uses the same term. When Paul entered the city of Thessalonica on his second missionary journey to reason from the scripture in the synagogue. So Paul also does this same exercise following the model of Jesus. So in Acts chapter 17, verses 2 through 3, And Paul went in, as was his custom, on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the Scriptures. And here's that same Greek word, explaining. Explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead, saying, This Jesus whom I proclaim to you is the Christ explaining, expositing, exposing from the scriptures. So Jesus' exposition here in Luke chapter 24 involved explaining the text to these men in such a way that they in turn could exposit, teach, and preach the Old Testament using this same hermeneutic. Just as the Luke 4 passage was descriptive of what Jesus did, it's not prescriptive, we're not told to preach this way, it's, it's descriptive. And here Jesus does not explicitly charge his disciples to use this particular hermeneutic, but we find evidence from the early sermons in Acts that the disciples did in fact follow this model of expositing the Old Testament with a Christ-centered hermeneutic. And again, Luke reiterates Jesus' method here in Luke chapter 24, 45 through 47. Then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead, and that repentance and forgiveness of sin should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, beginning from Jerusalem. Jesus opened their minds to understand the scriptures. Now, that's important. Uh, Only Jesus can do that. Now, as, as finite humans... As pastors, as preachers, we cannot supernaturally open the minds of our hearers in the way that Jesus did back then. 
Obviously, there's something very unique and special about what Jesus did. But it's very interesting that he used the scriptures as the means to do that. Now, here's what happens today. Today, we as finite humans, not Jesus in the flesh, obviously, but as, as fallible, or in, yeah, fallible uh, weak preachers, we have to rely on the Holy Spirit. And we use the word and we preach the word, but only the Holy Spirit can open the minds when the text is faithfully preached. So in essence, what happens when we preach, the Holy Spirit uses our expository preaching to open the minds of our hearers so that they can understand the truths of Scripture. It's called illumination. So the Bible not only needs to be proclaimed with boldness, heralding, heralding, uh, Caruso, we talked about a few weeks ago in that podcast, but also it needs to be explained with accuracy as Jesus has done both in Luke chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 24. And so Jesus emphasized the need for Holy Spirit-empowered preaching. Notice what he says there in verse 49. Behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you're clothed with power on high. The disciples needed the power of the Holy Spirit before they could do this Christ-centered preaching. So what happens in the book of Acts? So let's just kind of retrace our steps. God is a speaking God. He spoke creation into existence back in Genesis. God spoke through Moses when Moses preached a sermon, in actually three sermons in Deuteronomy. God spoke through his prophets who preached the word. We see an example of that in Ezra when he's preaching during the revival after the walls rebuilt in the book of Nehemiah. We see preaching in John the Baptist. We see expository preaching in Jesus in Luke chapter 4 in the synagogue in Nazareth. We see Jesus expositing the scriptures in Luke chapter 24 to his disciples. And so what will we think would happen if we trace the rest of redemptive history and we go into the book of Acts? Do the apostles, primarily Peter and then later on Paul, do they follow this model, this example of expository preaching. Now, obviously, in the book of Acts, the New Testament is not written yet. So they are expositing, they are preaching the Old Testament texts, pointing them to Jesus as the fulfillment of those as the Messiah. So let's just go through the book of Acts and see what emerges in the preaching. It's very interesting when you look at the book of Acts, I think actually one-third of the book of Acts is actually sermons or speeches or discourses where you actually get to see what the early church proclaimed or preached. And the very first sermon we have is Peter's sermon at Pentecost. So just as the Holy Spirit anointed Jesus before he preached his first sermon in Nazareth, remember back in Luke chapter 4, the Spirit also empowered Peter for his preaching on the day of Pentecost. So in Acts chapter 2, he stood and delivered the Pentecost sermon by doing an exposition of Joel chapter 2, Psalm chapter 16, and Psalm chapter 110 verse 1. So Peter uses Old Testament text as his material and does an expository sermon on that material, pointing it to Christ. He points out how all these Old Testament scriptures find their fulfillment in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. So what, is, what does Peter do? He models 
how Jesus preached for a verdict in Luke chapter 4. Remember when Jesus basically said, today you'll find the fulfilling of the scripture in your midst. In other words, you need to respond to this truth today. And that's what good expository preachers do. They preach the text, they explain the text, but then they demand a response. How will you respond to this truth today in light of God's authoritative word being preached and pointing to Christ. And that's exactly what Peter does. At the end of his sermon, after he exposits those passages in the Old Testament, quotes those passages, explains those passages, points them to Christ, then he turns to the crowd and demands a verdict, demands them to respond. Acts 2, 36-38, Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the hearts and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Hughes Oliphant Old is a great writer who's done a lot of historical work on preaching in the the Old Testament, preaching in the New Testament, preaching in the early church. Um, He's got the reading and preaching of the scriptures and the worship of the church is is a series of books that Hughes Oliphant Old has written. And, And this is on the biblical period. He makes a great statement here about what Peter did. Hughes Oliphant Old says this, This sermon is a very weighty piece of exegesis. One does not even suspect the beauty of the sermon until one sees it as an exposition of Scripture. So Peter takes the model of Jesus in Luke chapter 4 and Luke chapter 24 and doesn't just merely read the Old Testament text, but he exposits, he expounds them, he does a Christ-centered exposition of those texts, and then he preaches for a response. And then how did the people respond? They were cut to the heart when they heard this. They came under conviction, and then Peter calls them to repent and believe in Jesus. All right, what about Stephen? Stephen gives a huge speech before the Sanhedrin, right before they they stone him to death, and it's actually a sermon. So in addition to Peter, Stephen, he also does an expository sermon. We see this in Acts chapter 7. And similar to both Jesus, who was empowered by the Spirit, and Peter, who was empowered by the Spirit, Peter was also empowered by the Spirit. So what he does in this speech, in this sermon, he expounded the history of Israel. He makes allusions to Abraham, Joseph, Moses, and the Exodus, Solomon's building of the temple, and he carefully explained and applied the Old Testament text to the Sanhedrin and then does the same thing. He urges them to repent and trust in the Lordship of Christ. So it's interesting that Stephen also follows this hermeneutic or this model that was set forth in Luke chapter 4 and in Luke chapter 24 of what Jesus did by explaining and expositing the Old Testament text. And it's interesting, too, that the way Peter had to rely upon the empowering of the Holy Spirit, Stephen relied upon the empowering of the Holy Spirit as well. And so he emphasized Christ's suffering, the resurrection. He called the Sanhedrin, those, those Jewish leaders, to respond with urgent obedience. Again, this is just a flyby. We're not going into depth into the actual sermon. I'm just kind of giving you a flyby just so we can kind of look at the model here. Well, what about Philip? 
Philip's encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch. It's interesting that Philip also modeled this expository preaching when he interacted with the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8. And it's very interesting, the same pattern. In Acts chapter 8, verse 29, we find out that the Holy Spirit empowered his ministry by leading him to this preaching encounter. I can't under, underestimate or undervalue the role of the Holy Spirit in preaching. In Luke chapter 4, when Jesus preaches that sermon, he had just emerged from a time of testing in the wilderness where he was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And then he preached that sermon. Peter was empowered by the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and stood up and preached that sermon. Stephen was empowered by the Holy Spirit to preach that sermon in front of the Sanhedrin. And Philip, with his encounter with the Ethiopian eunuch, was empowered or guided by the Spirit before he proclaimed that message. So, pastors, preachers, are you relying on the power of the Holy Spirit for your preaching? Lay people, those in the congregation, are you praying for your preachers, your pastors, to be empowered and emboldened with the Holy Spirit's grace as they stand up and proclaim the truth? So it's very interesting. The Ethiopian eunuch is reading from Isaiah chapter 53, that famous passage of Scripture. But he's just reading it. He doesn't understand it. He actually needs someone to come along and explain it, to expound it. And so in Acts 8.31, the Ethiopian eunuch says he needs someone to guide him in understanding the Scriptures. I need someone to guide me. That Greek word guide means to exposit or to instruct or to explain. And that's exactly what Philip does. Philip exposits that passage of Scripture. He explains it and shows how it finds its fulfillment in Christ. Now, obviously, Philip's not standing up in a pulpit in front of a large audience the way that Ezra did in the book of Nehemiah when he stood up on the platform and preached to the nation of Israel or the way that Peter stood up before at least we know 3,000 people because 3,000 got saved that day preaching to a large gathering. Philip is having a one-on-one evangelism encounter, but nevertheless, it's an expositional proclamation of that passage in Isaiah. In in, in Acts 8.35, it says, Then Philip opened his mouth, and beginning with the Scripture, he told him the good news about Jesus. He read the Scripture He explained the scripture and he applied the text of scripture by focusing on the death and resurrection of Jesus. And what Philip's doing here is modeling what Jesus taught his disciples to do in Luke chapter 24. Listen to what John Stott says about this. The fact is that God has given us two gifts. First, the scriptures. And secondly, teachers to open up, explain, expound, and apply the scriptures. And he's talking about this encounter here with the Ethiopian eunuch. He says, The way in which this story is told bears some structured resemblance to another story in which a stranger joined two travelers and opened up their scriptures, or opened up the scriptures to them, and disappeared from view. So John Stott's linking that to what happened when Jesus appeared on the road to Demaeus. He opened their minds to understand the scriptures, then he vanished. Same thing here with Philip. He opened up the scriptures to the Ethiopian eunuch to explain it, and then he vanished. And so we see, not the vanishing part, hopefully at the end of a sermon, you don't vanish from the pulpit. I'll tell you, this is a funny story. It's not related to anything related to this podcast. It's just funny. So during the time of confession on our Sunday morning service, in the middle of the service, 
the elders are on a rotation, and um, I, I'm on that rotation, and it's on the stage, and it's, and it's right before we go into a time of offering. And um, I had to use the restroom one Sunday morning really badly as I was doing the time of confession. And we have a side door that uh, leads out to a hallway that goes to the bathroom on the stage. And so um, as I was saying the prayer and everybody's heads were bowed, I actually walked out the side door and finished my prayer and said, in Jesus' name, amen, then turned off my microphone and went to um, the bathroom. And so I was no longer on the stage, and I wasn't down where I normally sit on the front row. And so one of our elders' wives that night during prayer meeting says, don't ever do that again. I opened my eyes, and you were gone. You're vanished. I thought something had happened to you, or the, or the rapture happened, and we were all left, and you were gone. So don't disappear off the stage. So I guess you can say that on that Sunday morning, I, I hadn't preached my sermon, but I led in a time of prayer, and then I vanished from the stage. So, so pastors, don't preach and vanish the way that Jesus did and, and, and Philip did. The Ethiop- to the Ethiopian eunuch. All right, let's look at one more area, and this is actually probably the best example that gives us the full picture, and that is Paul's sermon in Pisidia, Antioch. Paul goes into the synagogue, as was his custom when he go- went on his missionary journeys to go into these cities. He'd go to the synagogue. They go to the city of Antioch and Pisidia, and, and this is recorded in Acts chapter 13, and if you, you notice what Paul does Paul preaches an exposition of the Old Testament and then points it to Jesus. And so F.F. Bruce, who's one of the greatest New Testament scholars of the 20th century, says this about this encounter. There are two places in the New Testament where we have a fairly detailed account of a synagogue service. This one in Acts chapter 13 and the others in Luke chapter 4, which we looked at a few times ago in the other podcast. And he continues, where Jesus preaches in the synagogue in Nazareth. Jesus delivered his address in a sitting position. Paul stood to preach. Our Lord's address was an exposition of the scriptures, whereas Paul's was rather an exhortation. Now, that word exhortation is very, very important. Uh, this, this exhortation in the synagogue um, is often what we would call a sermon. An exhortation. As a matter of fact, the, the, that same word exhortation, the writer of the Hebrews, of the book of Hebrews, uses it in, in Hebrews 13.22 to describe the sermon that he preached. Most scholars believe that the book of Hebrews is a sermon, is an exhortation. So Paul gives an expository exhortation, what we would call today as an expository sermon. So Paul's preaching involved both an exposition of Scripture as well as a word of exhortation, preaching, which really comes closest to the modern uh, expression or the modern practice of expository preaching. So let's read this together from Acts 13, 28 through 32. We will actually read this. So, uh, So Acts 13, starting in verse 28. So Paul's explaining about Jesus. And though they found in him no guilt worthy of death, They asked Pilate to have him executed, and when they had carried out all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree and laid him in a tomb. God raised him from the dead, and for many days he appeared to them who had come up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are now his witnesses to the people. And we bring the good news of what God promised to his fathers. This he has fulfilled to us in their children by raising Jesus Also, as it is written in the second song, you are my son, today I begotten you. And as for the fact that he raised him from the dead, no more to return to corruption, for he has spoken in this way, 
I will give you the holy and sure blessing of David. Therefore, he also says in another psalm, you will not let your holy one see corruption. For David, after he served the purpose of God to his own generation, fell asleep and was laid down with his fathers and saw corruption. But he whom God raised up did not see corruption. Let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. And by him, everyone who believes is freed from everything from which you could not be freed by the law of Moses. And he goes on in that passage of Scripture. And so what Paul is doing is he's preaching an expositional sermon about Jesus and then making application again, calling them to repent and believe and trust in Jesus for forgiveness. And it's interesting, as, as you get to the end of the sermon, that Jewish congregation had never heard preaching like this before because in Acts 13.42, it says, As they went out, the people begged that these things might be told them the next Sabbath. They, they begged Paul, come back next week and explain more about these things. So you probably have to just read between the lines that Paul was passionate in his preaching. It was a wonderful exposition of the Old Testament. It was pointing to Christ. It was a grace-filled exhortation, explain and apply the Old Testament scriptures. And, and the result of this preaching, Acts 13, 49 says, the word of the Lord spread throughout the whole region. So Paul preaches an expository sermon from the Old Testament the way that Peter did, the way that Stephen did, the way that Philip did. And um, it was an engaging exposition because the people begged him to come back again next week to preach again. So Hughes Oliphant Old again says this. He says, having recounted the story of redemption, Paul gives an exposition of several of the classic messianic passages from the Old Testament. And he says, finally, Paul ends his sermon with a call to repentance. All this is familiar to us. Paul, like Peter and the other apostles, must have preached this sort of sermon frequently. Frequently. So these introductory sermons in the book of Acts clearly demonstrate that Jesus' followers put his hermeneutical method of expository preaching into practice. The sermons were faithful expositions of the Old Testament they were thoroughly Christocentric, focused on Christ, and they demanded an immediate response of repentance and faith. And so we've seen a biblical theology and preaching from the totality of the Bible. All the way back to Genesis, God is a speaking God. God acts through His Word. God commissioned faithful men in the Bible to proclaim these words. We see people like Moses, the prophets, Ezra, John the Baptist. We even see Jesus himself being a proclaimer and expositor of God's word. We see Peter as a preacher. We see Philip. We see Stephen. We see Paul. And then we have commandments in the pastoral epistles that Paul writes to Timothy and Titus for pastors to preach God's word. So what's the conclusion of all this? What's the, what's the biblical theology of expository preaching we've seen from Genesis, ultimately through Acts, and the rest of the Bible. What's the conclusion? Here's the conclusion. Preaching, and specifically expository preaching, is one of the most important tasks of a pastor. John Owen said this, The first and principal duty of a pastor is to feed the flock by diligent preaching of the word. And that's where I get the title of my preaching conferences, Feed the Flock. Because I like that quote from John Owen, the first and principal duty. 
the most primary thing a pastor can do is to feed the flock. And how do you feed the flock? By diligent preaching of the word. Diligent, faithful, expository preaching of the word. Preaching that models what Moses did in Deuteronomy. Preaching that models what Ezra did in the book of Nehemiah. Preaching that models what John the Baptist did in Luke chapter 3. Preaching that what Jesus did as modeled in Luke chapter 4 and Luke chapter 24. Preaching that Peter did on the day of Pentecost. Preaching that Stephen did when he was before the Sanhedrin and was stoned. Preaching that Philip did before the Ethiopian eunuch. And preaching that Paul did in the synagogue in Pisidian Antioch. We have bountiful examples of men called by God empowered by the Holy Spirit, who exposited the Scriptures, pointed to Christ, did it faithfully, and then demanded a response of repentance and faith to Jesus as Savior and Lord. So this concludes our biblical theology of expository preaching as we've taken uh, Genesis through basically the book of Acts. And so in the next podcast that we deal with expository preaching, we're actually going to get now to a definition and um, some more practical steps. But I wanted to lay the biblical foundation first to show you that you see it modeled in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we should always start with the Scripture. What does the Scripture show us? What does the Scripture teach us? How do we get our foundation for expository preaching directly from the Scriptures? Well, until next time, would you keep your eyes fixed on Jesus? And pastors, if you're listening to this, would you faithfully exposit the text week in and week out? And if you're a layperson, part of the congregation, would you pray diligently for your pastor and elders to be faithful to preaching the text? May we all keep our eyes fixed on Jesus.